Once I rose above the noise and confusion Just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion I was soaring ever higher But I flew too high Though my eyes could see I still was a blind man Though my mind could think I still was a man This is Mark Marble. And this is Jim Ford. And this is Lantern Cast Presents Pre Birth. Episode 2 3 ish. No, 2.5. 2.5. Filling in that all important gap between Day of Judgment and the uh, Legends of the DC Universe storyline. Oh, yes. All important. All important, maybe not. <laughs> Somewhat in. Somewhat interesting, at least, and there are interesting parts of the two main issues we'll be talking about tonight. There, you know, there's no doubt that there's some interesting points. And now, after this episode, Jim and I, at least, we can get back on track chronologically, unless, unless there's some other major crossover that Chad commits us to, which blows this all to hell. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, but I don't think that'll be happening. So, this is 2.5, but it's, what is it, the fourth episode that we've actually done? That is correct, yes. Well, I said, yeah, well, maybe maybe it isn't 2.5. Now I'm thinking about that, because, well, we split Day of Judgment into two. We split Day of Judgment into two, and... You keep then... talking, I'll double-check, because then we can... This is this is magic, people, as it's occurring. <laughs> yes. We yeah, know it's so, a point five. Let's put it this way. We know it's a point five. The question is... Well, yeah, yeah, because Day of Judgment was one and two, and then... Yeah, that's right. We did episode yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's two, five. three. Yeah, so this fits between th- two, the Day of Judgment. Yeah, so we're right, 2.5. Yeah, so chronologically, it's 2.5. Yes. But it's it's the fourth episode that we've done. Absolutely correct. Yes. Okay. And and recording chronologically based on recording, yes, this is this is our fourth, but it should it should really have been our third, but but in order to meet our our requirements for the crossover, and, and as, as the month of April was running low, <laughs> we had uh, we didn't have time to do two episodes. So. Yeah, that chat is a harsh taskmaster. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So. We're going to be discussing JLA 35. Yes. And Green Lantern 119. Correct. Which will be the first re- the first full issues that uh, Hal appeared in as the Spectre after Day of Judgment. Uh, I will be also brief, ever so briefly, before we roll into JLA 35, I'll be mentioning the se- what happened in the Secret Files and Origins one-shot that was a for Day of Judgment that pretty much came out right... I may have act, I don't remember when it was released, but it probably came out... may very well have come out, come out the, the same week as Day of Judgment 6, since it was another November issue, and there's only so many so only so many weeks in November. <laughs> but either way, uh, I mean, considering the entire... I think the entire Day of Judgment storyline was dated November, it's like they really were pushing it. 
But basically, yes, our focus will be JLA 35 and Green Lantern 119, which which gives you lifts the curtain up a little bit behind what you know what the status quo for the the real Hal series was going to be. Obviously, as we mentioned when we did, uh, or in case you haven't heard yet, <laughs> as we mentioned in. Over, over, will mention in the, in the Legends of the DC Universe episode that uh, Demetrius really goes into in that four-part arc really kind of gives you the underpinnings of what you're going to be reading about, through, at least through the first half of the HAL series and the dynamics that are at work. And these two issues kind of like a nice little prologue to that because they, since Day of Judgment really didn't give you a, they don't really show you anything other than, you know. As Hal, they give you a hint of Hal wrestling with the Spectre, but they don't really give you any, like some of the burden he has to bear, or you know, from for being the Spectre, and you kind of get a heavy dose of that in uh, certainly the JLA issue. Oh yeah, and and, and in one nineteen as well. But JLA is JLA is a pretty deep issue, and there's a lot of stuff that again, and not surprisingly, Dave Mateus is the you know writes JLA thirty five, so that makes sense that he you know he's laying the foundation there. Okay. So before, so ready to jump right into it? Oh, I want to get JLA 35 out of the way as fast as possible. Really? Yeah. Does that mean you didn't like it, or it just means that? <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh. Oh, I don't know. But, but now Jim has me really interested. <laughs> oh man. Uh, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So this is the ever, ever, ever so brief summary. Of the only thing that's relevant to us it, following Hal, uh, that from the, from the came that that came out of the Secret Files and Origins Day of Judgment, and basically all that is is the first story in the book called the Destiny Dilemma. Basically relates to Alan Scott Sentinel and the Sentinels of Magic, who we ran into and were introduced to as they came together in Day of Judgment. That basically it is a story about them. What happened to the Spear of Destiny after Day of Judgment, and what they were going to do with it? You know, basically the, where were, where the, the Spear of Destiny was going to end up, because they basically find it in the middle of a cornfield, for lack of a better way of describing it, and they had and they kind of like fight amongst themselves about what to do with it and trying not to be possessed by it. And at the end of the day, they all they all use their powers, and Alan Scott kind of gives it a heave ho, and ironically enough, they toss it into the sun as a is a resting place, and they kind of make a little pact that they're the Sentinels of Magic, yada yada, and basically we we get re, the it gets revealed at the end that the because the Phantom Stranger of course is is involved, kind of like overseeing some of this, or almost like a not truly a narrator, but he's kind of like overseeing what's going on. That we basically find, have a conversation after the Sentinels of Magic are gone, that we find out that it was Hal himself who basically allowed the Spear of Destiny to fall into the Sentinels of Magic hands because he wanted to make, sh- as a I'm trying to the best way to describe it, basically as a test, as a early test or proof that Hal was determined to do the right thing. He basically was giving the means to destroy himself to people who we knew would he could trust it with and would you know wouldn't hesitate to do the job in case they ever needed to stop him if something ever happened so it was just a ma- just another moment of how basically uh making an taking a good first step forward as the specter and kind of leaving the parallax days behind so that pretty much was the only real story in the secret files of origin that relates to to how 
So, now we'll do JLA 35, which is a Day of Judgment tie-in, because it's got that pretty cool cover with Hal Jordan, Spectre of Vengeance, and it has Hal as the Spectre pretty much cradling most of the J- Actually, the, the main... The, the big three JLA members and then Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Guess Kyle couldn't make it. <laughs> Maybe Kyle's in there somewhere. <laughs> so we have a very... So we have a scene, uh, a city street. We It's Hal basically just reflecting upon what's happened and, ta- and having some, you know, inner dialogue or a monologue. And he you know, talks about, you know, how mentions the Green Lantern Oath and how, you know, he used to say that. But it was different, you know. He was a different man then, you know. He was alive for one thing, and he saw the world in black and white between good and evil. And now, basically, he's become the specter that he doesn't see the things that way. It's like now, now it's like, you know, related to like you know the, the no evil can escape my sight part of the oath. He goes, no matter how hard I try, you know, it's like it, it, it's just it doesn't work the same way anymore because I'm not Hal Jordan. I'm I'm the specter, and you have basically a. You see Hal kind of like, no, but that, that, and this becomes part of the story, that Hal is just sitting there, you know, kind of like thinking all the stuff on the street and no one's reacting to him. We find out why soon enough, but he just lets out this kind of like this really, really powerful scream as he realize, you know, as he, as he mentions about, you know, him, that he's not really Hal anymore. And then when he does that, we see the big splash page of the title of the issue called The Guilty. And you see Hal now transforms into the Spectre screaming, and that scream is so powerful, it basically drew Zoriel over to Hal because of you know the power of that the Spectre possesses. And Hal at first doesn't really recognize entirely Zoriel, and Zoriel kind of you know like reintroduces himself. You know I'm the fall I'm a fallen angel. You know Zor I'm Zoriel, and then of course. I'm, Kind of like the specter part of Hal almost kicks in. It's like, yes, Zoriel the fool who turned his back on paradise. And he kind of like really, really gets up and close and with <laughs> with Zoriel, which is kind of cool because Zoriel goes, hey, if you wouldn't mind backing away, you're violating my – you're invading my personal space. And, you know, for a moment it looks like uh, Hal as the specter is about to judge Zoriel, and, and all of a sudden we hear off pat, you know, from off panel, we hear, you know, that'll be enough, Hal. And then we see the Justice League basically staring at Hal, about to confront him. And you know, Superman goes, you know, we just we just took out one renegade Spectre that you know we, and trying to <laughs> to tear it basically from everything from heaven to hell apart. We did, we really thought we weren't gonna have to worry about you. And Batman's being Batman, going, speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, Batman, gotta love him. And so, you know, you know, Hal basically is like, he goes like, you, you don't, re- Superman, you just don't understand, you know, what it's like. You don't ex- ex- understand what's expected of me. And then, you know, Superman wants him to explain, and and of course, again, the duality that's at work here, you know, it's like almost like the Spectre part going like, how could anybody as anybody as small as you, you know, how could you possibly understand what I'm dealing with? And while Hal sa- says that, basically, as a Spectre, he starts. F- Getting smaller and smaller, and he transforms to back into a human state or the Hal state. And Superman catches him, and of course, everybody looks at the body that's in Superman's arms and goes, "We hey, we got a question. <laughs> it's like if Hal Jordan's the new Spectre, then who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> and they, you know, they he's just he 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 was unconscious at at that time. He regains consciousness. 
And everybody keeps asking him, like, who are you? Who are you? And Hal's like, you got to be kidding, right? I mean, you know who I am. And, you know, he goes, I'm Hal Jordan. Of course, you, you all know me. And everybody – and then we find out what's really going on, that we see every member of the Justice League, Superman, Batman, Plastic Man, Kyle, Zoriel, and Martian Manhunter, they all see a different person laying on the couch. And at that, at that moment, basically, you know, Bat, Batman just goes, secure him. And Zoriel kind of is, is kind of figures out at this point what's going on, or he has a he has a hunch anyway, and he tells everybody to wait, and then he kind of like he peers, you know, he kind of like peers into Hal, and he temporarily makes it so the the Justice League can see Hal as Hal, as because we find out that one of one of the basically the barriers that Hal has to overcome early on in his mission as the Spectre is that nobody can recognize him as Hal Jordan. They see the Spectre, but they don't see him as Hal Jordan. Even if he appears in human form to somebody, they don't recognize him as as Hal. That's part of the, part of the penance that he you know the, the price he has to pay as he to, as he earns more and more power of the Spectre. He has to basically as he seeks redemption. You know he seeks redemption. But no one can basically give him any kind of pat on the back saying, you're doing good, Hal. You're doing good overall, uh, other than someone like Mystical. We kind of saw a little bit of her with Phantom Stranger and Zoriel because of his power. is able to lift the curtain a little bit. But at least in the early stages, Hal's really – it's very difficult for Hal to appear to anyone long for long periods of time. And even after – if he can appear to them, usually they forget that the, who he was, as we'll see more when when Jim gets his issue that comes in that comes into play too. Um, oh my God! Yeah. So um, what you call it? You see, I'm gonna stop you for a minute here. Go ahead. Because as far as like the write up goes, like you're on page like eight so far of the synopsis, and you've already been going for like a half hour. <laughs> well, not really, but <laughs> I know. I'm exaggerating. I know you are. This this issue is like it's so exposition heavy. It is. There's a lot. There's a lot of. There's a lot of deep stuff that they're that he's trying to get trying to get across. And what we basically at this stage, what happens is, and when we find out why, you know, late, later on in the issue. But as Hal kind of mentioned, excuse me, in the beginning, is that Hal has Hal has a real hard time seeing things as black and white anymore. That no one, that everybody he sees, no matter how much good they do, how much he knows them, and how good they are, all Hal can see in them is that, that the chink in their armor right now. All he can see is the weakness or their, you know, what they've done in the past. That's just, you know, that's horrible, or what's lurking under the, you know, under the surface. So, basically. Hal, you know, in a pretty cool scene, you know, he opens his hands and you see all these like demons. Kind of out of green energy in Hal's hands, and he basically says that these are all your demons. And what we get in a few, you know, in the next few pages is basically Hal, from his point of view, of course, showing the Justice League pretty much everybody, every one of the individual members' demons. So Superman, he goes, he zeroes in on when he had to kill General Zod. not the movie generals. Uh, this was like, what did he do? It was a fan- related to the Phantom Zone, wasn't it? When he killed these. Uh, what you call it? He crossed over into, I think, a parallel dimension or something like that, and uh, he found three Kryptonians that had escaped from the, the Phantom Zone, and 
like they had killed everybody on their world. And they were, you know, they basically said to Superman, it's like, if you don't kill us, then we're going to come to your world and kill everybody there. So, you know, he was put in, like, the situation where, like, he couldn't, like, he could not let them live. But by the same token, he still had to take a life. Right. So, you know, that's what happened there. So that is so that is the part of Superman that Hal, you know, zeroes in on and mentioned. And even though Superman kind of defends his actions, uh, you know, we see an image of uh, of Superman kind of like uh, basically being almost like uh, post-traumatic stress after what he did, just on the ground, like "Kill me, please! I don't deserve to live." So with Batman, with Batman, of course, it's the fact that uh, what he shows Batman is that in, basically that Batman is just like under the surface. Batman is just kind of like itching to cross the line that he doesn't. But he's so close to doing it, and there's a part of Batman that just wants to give in and basically kill all his enemies and everybody who keeps plaguing him and everything else. Of course, that really doesn't have that much. has a little bit of effect on Batman, but not much. He pretty much just tells him to, to, to get out of his head. Uh, you know, Kyle's kind of like, you know, we're not criminals, Hal. How can you accuse us? And he goes, you're not criminals? It's like one morning you decide to put on costumes and write the ills of the world and... You know, you pass judgment on, on mankind like you're sitting on Mount Olympus and everything, and and Kyle counters it like, you know, you can't possibly believe that. And he goes, the Spectre does. And then we get a kind of interesting, almost like a pre, almost like a pre uh, parallax in Kyle's future scene because Kyle's pretty much the what Kyle zeroes in on with Kyle is that Kyle's afraid of losing control of the power too. Of that Kyle's basically afraid of taking a Hal-esque turn down the road. And Kyle, you know, while Kyle says he'll never let it happen, um, you, that, 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 that scene, that panel of Kyle almost shows, you know, it could just be lighting, but it does certainly appear to be like gray hair ash on Kyle's head. So it kind of is a parallax-like reference. Um, you know, so as, as um, you know, Hal continues to, you know, he plays around with Zoriel some more. And plays on the fact that, you know, he gave up, once again, that, you know, he kind of gave up heaven and, you know, how it's about his spiritual heart, you know, you know, you've, you know how far you've fallen compared to what you were. And now it's almost, and again, it's in this part, it's almost like, like Hal's fighting with Parallax again, if I'm being trapped inside, because we hear, you know, we hear Hal in his dialogue going, you know, I hear the naked cruelty in my voice and shudder. It's like, like how can I do this to my friends? And it's, and it's like, he really has a hard time, you know, he really is out of control, so he goes to, he really, so he starts doing the same thing to Plastic Man, and, every, you know, and Kyle even throws in, my God, he's out of, oh, as out of control as he was when, you know, when he was Parallax, and now Martian Manhunter steps in, which is really a cool part in the story, it's like, you know, I've kind of, Hal, I've kind of remained silent, because, you know, you're asking some really deep questions here, and I don't pretend to have the answers, but there's something I need to show you, whether you want to see it or not. And basically now the entire Justice League goes, you know, first they think they're back in hell again, and they're, they're not really in hell because Zoriel picks up pretty quickly uh, on what's going on here. And the, the Justice League, you know, is trying to fight, basically gets surrounded by all these different creatures and demons, and, you know, the Spectre's able to, like, basically take them out of there. But Martian Manhunter pretty much leads them to their final destination, which is a conversation, you know, it's basically like in this deep, dark cave, and we see this, you know, this this very nice, sweet scene, you know, and it's like, 
where they're watching, you know, people are watching TV and there's some there's some light in there, and it's just a very more of an uplifting scene, even, even though it was buried like in a dark cave. And and Batman at this point figures out exactly where they are too. And basically, what ha- has happened is Martian Manhunter has taken them, you know, on a you know a mental plane level, not physically, but he's transformed them or taken them to inside the Joker's brain. Just to show how that even inside the most corrupt, evil, darkest person, there's still light. There's still one. There's still a part of that you know that, that reaches for the light, even no matter how corrupt and how you know horrible that it seems on the surface. But to try to again, to, as a counterbalance to you know where Hal was going with it about how looking at just the bad in people. And then it becomes clear as far as from the Manhunter's point of view, and Hal kind of acknowledges this to a certain extent, that really what was going on is that Hal was, it's Hal's own demons he was wrestling with, because it's Hal's fear of, again, of losing control. It's Hal's fear of having all that power and doing something wrong with it, of basically falling again, that he was basically projecting his own uh, failings and his own weaknesses um, on the Justice League members. And you know, so at, so at this point, you know, Hal kind of, you know, in a way, Hal kind of gets a little more. He feels a little more comfortable with the burden that he that he has to uh, that he has to take on, and the Martian Manhunter kind of gives him a little pep talk. You know, it's like uh, I've you know long I've learned for a long time ago never un- to end up underestimate never to underestimate the human race, and certainly never to underestimate you. And you know, Hal, you know, he thanks them. As a specter, and he disappears. And of course, as soon as as soon as he leaves, it's like uh, Kyle's like, "Sure, hope we helped him, whoever he was," because <laughs> they don't remember anymore, you know, that it was Hal. And it ends with but probably my favorite scene from an you know from an artistic point of view of Hal as the specter. I love this. I just love this picture, and I love the the, uh, this, the narration by Hal in it. And it basically shows. Hal and his and his specter cloak, with you can see his mask and everything, and he's holding the earth in his hands. And he goes, "My mind is deluged, deluged, excuse me, with thoughts of heaven and hell, crime and punishment, damnation and redemption." Hal Jordan and the specter, I'm dead yet I live. I have no identity yet I know who I am. And once again, I've been given enough power to change the world. This time, Lord. Let me be worthy. And that ends Justice League 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last panel was actually, uh, I would say, well done in all regards. But leading up to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jim, rip into it, baby. Okay, so first off, the art in this issue is borderline acceptable and terrible. Um. Uh, you know, like, there's just certain things that just look horrendously bad. Uh, there's, there's plenty of things that look okay, but, um, like, art-wise, this was not a great issue. No, the JLA um, as a whole look crappy. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, they they do, but, uh, you know, like, you only have to go, like, like what, four pages in for that picture of Hal as Spectre, where, like, his hands are, like, next to each other, like, in this weird, like, position, like, it's so unnatural looking and creepy. Well, like yeah. the title page. Yeah, the title page. Yeah. Um, I like, there's just, a, there are a lot of things in here that just didn't look good. Very generic. 
the JLA, like you said, they as a whole did not look good. They all looked like older. I don't know, just like, just poorly, poorly done. Small noses. Everybody seems to be drawn with a small nose too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Spectre looks kind of. The, for the most part, the Spectre looks pretty decent in this issue. Yeah, for the most part, you right. know. He, there are some. The, yeah, you're you're right. I didn't mean to cut you off. There are some panels absolutely when he's still kind of. Even he kind of looks <laughs> looks a little off. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, and the other thing that I noticed, and I, like, this is not something that I think I've ever picked up on before. But when the Spectre is tearing into um, Plastic Man, like, uh, where was that? I don't know. 13, 14. Yeah, right around there. He's, like, Plastic Man is, like, telling him, it's like, you know, the way, the story that he's telling him, it's like a story about, like, oh, yeah, you know, I was, you know, I had an option. I could, you know, mope around like like you're doing, or I could, you know, take my second chance, you know, and you know, have a little bit of fun. And it's like that whole dialogue bubble is done, like, and it's pointed to the actual Miles O'Brien being torn out of Plastic Man. And, like, the only thing that ties it together, like, visually to the words is that at the very end of these, like, two giant speech bubbles, as he says, youch. It's like the breakdown on that was so <laughs> poorly done. Like, you should have him, you know, like, the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand where you You know, like, that the juxtaposition that, you know, between him saying these fairly positive words while he's being torn apart. You know, like, that's two panels worth of art that you should have broken that dialogue between. You know, like, don't waste... You waste a panel with having the Spectre sit down in him as a chair. (coughs) You know, like, it's... There are a lot of things that I think were just, like, really just dumb. And even, like, the... The the beginning part of going into the Joker's mind was just kind of like, I I don't know. Like it didn't make any sense and like not even a way where I felt like it was supposed to not make sense. No, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but I mean, yeah, like, so art wise, like there were a few things that I I think, you know, did come across pretty well. Uh, I think he drew a pretty decent Joker. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, there were plenty of parts where the Spectre looked fine. Um, I, what you call it, the uh, the Angel, the, the Zuriel, he did uh, did him pretty decent. There yes. were a lot of those scenes were really good. Even the transition scenes with with uh, the Spectre. Um, oh, and the Batman scene where like you know where it looks like actually both Batman scenes where he's uh, like you know telling Batman that you know beneath the surface he wants to you know, break, break down and like go after people. Yes. Uh, that and the part where like he is searching for redemption with all the broken glass. Those scenes were actually really well done. So, I mean, it's kind of surprising how he did some of these things so well and then other things so poorly. 
So, yeah, art-wise, I think it was definitely, you know, like I said, a combination of, like, you know, sometimes it's acceptable, you know, or even decent, but, like, you know, overall, this is not great art. Now, aside from that, this is, like, this is a comic issue with, like, what, 22 pages of of dialogue? Yep, 22 story pages. And... Like, it took me, like, seven years to get through this because there's so much exposition. And, like, you have, like, this nearly constant, like, inner monologue from the Spectre, like, how he feels about all this stuff that's going on. There's so much, like, telling as opposed to showing that it, be, you know, like, the story gets very bogged down in that. Like, the thing about J.M. DiMatteis is that he comes up with some very good ideas. And, like, if you look at this issue, if this issue had been pulled off better, then at its core, like, the ideas that the Spectre's going to go in and, you know, like, he's casting his own sins onto others, basically and showing them, you know, the darkest pits of, of their souls, because that's what he's looking for right now. Yes, great idea for a comic. It's, it shows where Hal is, um, you know, right now as the Spectre. It really it sets the page for, you know, what's going to be coming. But it feels like they had to... They had to write this, well, he, uh, DiMatteis had to write this as if anybody that was reading it had not touched Day of Judgment at all. And so you had to give extra background, and then he gave even more background on top of that to make it seem like it was more philosophical than it actually was, to the point that it's just like, it was so bogged down that it was like... It was just not not that enjoyable for me. <laughs> I understand. I I maybe maybe it's the fact that I have some fond memories of of this time period when he the the excitement of Hal finally getting his own book and being a being back again, and maybe it's also just the the idea that that well like not so much the idea but just the fact that I just love that last panel so much. That's one of the things that I always that I always when I think about Hal's time as a Spectre, this is one. Of, ironically, both the issues we're doing today and are right up there with issues that I think of when I think of Hal's. We're certainly the early phase of Hal as the Spectre, even more than other than Day of Judgment six. You know, you know, along with you know probably the, the final two issues of the uh, Legends arc, that I really think of these issues probably more than any other one. And, and this panel, that panel of, of Hal holding the Earth in his hands and you know, digging inside himself, you know, just turning within to just to basically express, you know, his 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 wishes and his fears all, you know, at the same time that maybe that's blinded me to a certain extent. But I I do lie, but I I did I did a pre I agree with you that it got that in the middle of the book there was some it got bogged down in, in a few places where it could have been a little crisper, but I still like the overall story that they were that he was trying to tell. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think um I'm not actually sure if I read this when it first came out. You know, like, 
I feel like I sh- I probably would have just because at that time I was going for anything that was you know Hal as Inspector. Um, but yeah, like I'm 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 really not. It's not that clear if I did originally pick this up. Uh, I, obviously, I read the Green Lantern 119, and I also like for me like if we're l- looking at issues where Hal popped up that, you know, stick out in your mind. It was uh, Green Lantern 119, and then it was also the issue, what was it, um, Titans or Teen Titans, where he showed up to, um, like, this, I don't know, like, girl who was, like, a phantom kind of character. Um, I mean, it's been so long that I don't remember that clearly, but... um, I just remember that, you know, he had this guest appearance in the comic and it was like the only issue of that series that I picked up because of, you know, how being in it and, you know, it was a pretty decent story and the art was really good. Um, yeah, but I mean like, yeah, this, this JLA one, like I said, I mean, there's, there's definitely some cool ideas like the idea with the Joker. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clever. That was that was definitely a, a a neat way to go to show him that you know like even in the worst the absolute worst you can still find a tiny piece of good however tiny and hidden it may be it just you know it just doesn't have any relevance on the overall person now I would wonder if in fact this was not how some people write the Joker. If you know what I mean. Right. You know, like, I'm sure that there's plenty of writers that have, you know, looked at the Joker and would absolutely disagree that the Joker has any good in him whatsoever. Uh, And, you know, even if it is hidden down. But, I mean, like, even with the Joker thing, the thing that kind of, like, I was just like, you know, oh, come on, was where he makes that comment about the tongue sandwich. And then, like, immediately afterwards, he, like, has to basically force a comment about how he, you know, definitely ripped it out of somebody's mouth. Like, obviously, we knew that that was going to, you know, how it was going to go down. But it's just like, you know, it just so, the whole line was, like, clunky with how they did it. It's like, you know, you have this really cool scene with the Joker, and then you just kind of, like, you know, hammer it into the ground with, this like clunky joke about how he is eating somebody's tongue. <laughs> I like, and not even in a good punny way. So yeah, I just, overall, I, I wasn't a really huge fan of this. Some things I thought were interesting. I liked, like, I mean, again, you know, like with plastic man, I liked how plastic man reacted to, you know, how, but you know, like, and then all of a sudden it's like Hal, like, you know, puts on an angry face, and the next thing you know, Plastic Man is just, like, a puddle in the floor. You know, like, he didn't even do anything. Like, you know, like, it's like, okay, Plastic Man's talking, he's talking, he's talking, angry face from Hal, and the next panel is literally just Plastic Man, a pile of mush on the floor. Like, it just it doesn't make any sense. No, it does. Well, 
The only thing the only thing that makes sense about it is clearly Hal is he, to say he's on edge is an understatement. And as we find as we find out more in the you know in the uh, Legends arc that he when push comes to shove when it actually comes to uh, you know dealing out punishment he, at the moment he has very little control over what the Spectre does. That he knows what's going on. It's, again, it's kind of like being trapped inside Parallax, where he can see what's going on, and but he can't. He's but he's kind of rel- helpless, or not as certainly relatively helpless to be able to prevent what's going on, of uh, what the Spectre wants to do. And that's something as we as we'll see once we get in. You know, even starting with the next episode when we do the, when we do it, it'll be because we'll be delving into the regular series then that we start seeing that 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 dynamic begins to begins to change but at the moment especially right now right after day of judgment you know how how can retain parts of his identity and he can has some control but you know when kind of like a dog with a bone when that trick you know when that trigger is there the specter kicks on and then how pretty much is along for the ride so yeah yeah so are we done with this issue we definitely can be jim okay good <laughs> Okay, now on to the good one. <laughs> okay, so Green Lantern 119, uh, written by Ron Mars uh, and drawn by Daryl Banks. So, you know, don't worry, folks, you're in for a good one. <laughs> so we start out where uh, Kyle is having a fight with Jade, and it's, you know, because he kissed Donna and, you know, he was honest about it and confessed it to Jade. And, uh, she's pissed and, you know, and he's really sorry, you know, he's apologetic and he just kind of wants to forget about the whole thing. And she's like, well, you know, is that really how you feel? Do you want to forget about it? Are you sure that there's nothing? And he's, you know, kind of like, I'm no, I'm not really sure. So, you know, honesty to a fault at that point, basically. So, you know, she says, okay, well, I'm going to be moving out then. So. He clearly doesn't want that, but he's, you know, he's hanging out with Radu and telling Radu about his, uh, his girl troubles, when all of a sudden, who sits down next to him? It's Hal Jordan in his test pilot jacket, and, you know, Kyle's like, you know, like, wait, what what's going on? <laughs> so, Kyle doesn't remember anything, you know, about Hal other than the fact that he died. So, and the fact that he, and so Hal kind of like clues him into the fact that the fact that he can even see him right now and know that it is Hal Jordan, just taking a tremendous amount of willpower. Uh, Yeah, so, uh, what you call it, at that point, um, he takes Kyle on a, you know, like a little, uh, I don't know, like kind of like a trip to see, you know, what exactly it is that he does now. And, you know, he shows off some of his power and how he can, like, you know, grow really big and also be small and be multiple places at once. And, uh, you know, it, it makes for some cool visuals, but, um, you know, next thing we know, we're at Ferris Aircraft, and uh, I guess this is kind of like them being the ghost of Christmas present, because nobody can see them, but they can, like, interact with, uh, they, you know, they can, like, walk around and, like, witness everything. And, uh, yeah, they go see Carol, and, you know, she's she's not looking too good. She's got a ton of stress going on, and uh, they, they sunk a ton of money into a new prototype airplane, 
And if it doesn't take off, then they're going to be in serious trouble. And so the Spectre, Hal Jordan, reveals himself to, uh, to Carol for a minute and rips out the Star Sapphire gem in her mind. I, I'm, I'm guessing this is more like um, like a figurative you know, type sapphire. But, um, you know, he basically allows Carol to confront the star sapphire and, you know, explains to her that what she did when she was that person was not her and she's not responsible. And, uh, you know, gives her an opportunity to kind of move past it and destroy that aspect of her for good. And, uh, after, you know, she does that, she's feeling a lot better. You know, she already can't remember how, but uh, she's looking a lot better. Like, you know, there's like a visual change as to how she is looking from like super stressed and kind of old to, you know, a little bit younger and more carefree. So, what you call it? Um, yeah, so, you know, he's Hal's talking to Kyle and, you know, explaining, you know, what uh what it is you know that he he is now you know and how you know he is what he is and he isn't what he is and it's it's kind of like double speak but it's also kind of like again setting up what's you know what's going to happen and uh what you call it at that point you know Kyle kind of asked Hal it's like you know why don't you you know come on back and you can give me some pointers and stuff like that and the way I see it is more like, you know, the current generation out of respect being like, you know, hey, yeah, you know, I realized that you had some, you know, you've had a lot more time with this. So if you want to come and show me the ropes because you're the old timer, you know, like it's very, I guess, chummy chummy, which is a little <coughs> out of place. But I guess, you know, since the fact that now he sees that he is the specter, he... I guess is giving him a fair shake because of that, I guess. Um, but regardless, you know, Spectre kind of, you know, says, uh, you know, take care, but I don't even think you'll remember this. And, uh, you know, they close with uh, a sniper honing in on Radu as he's leaving the coffee shop. So that'll take place in the next issue. But uh, that's basically it. It's funny that you mentioned the whole, you know, uh, Ghost of Christmas present past vibe to to this because I was, as even before you were transition transitioning to that part of the story, I was kind of flipping through this and that kind of and that's part of the reason why I think maybe I like this issue because it definitely has a Christmas Carol vibe to it. Yeah. Because it's like uh, a Christmas Carol. Yeah, but um, bum, yeah, a Christmas Carol Ferris vibe to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was. Uh unintentional and yeah she definitely does look older in the beginning that's not a flattering hairstyle for her either no like like everything about her is like it just looks like she's just drenched with like stress in the beginning you know like the the shadows under the eyes and everything like that it's all very you know harsh and not very visually appealing and then as soon as she crushes that gem it's like everything changes Changes. Everything's more, you know, lighter and softer and everything like that. But I also, I also like when, you know, he's 
basically when the Spectre is wrestling or got you know the symbolically anyway the Star Sapphire not just the gem but has the actual you know Carol as Star Sapphire in his hand basically yeah. kind of like kind of like squeezing it and crushing it that everything he's saying there is pretty cool because it's basically just as applicable to himself. Yes. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I like it. It's a duality that it works on both levels. It's like Star Sapphire is gone, but you carry with, you know, but you carry her with you as a symbol of your regrets and your failures. So it's the same thing that we see th- throughout his run. A lot of, at least the early part of his run as the Spectre, is that he's, you know, he's he's not the same person. He's not in the same place. He, you know, there's a whole. It's all. It's different, but he's still. But it's still the fear in the, in the regret. And you know, and the guilt over Parallax, which is which just you know, really weighs him down. And we saw, and we especially see that in the Legends and the Legends arc. That that's one of the big things he's got to get over right away. That that you know, and like we talked, like we did or will talk about the cool part about how you have Parallax about you know how Hal's real fear is that you know about having too much power because he might he might go too far, and how Parallax the the symbolic. Parallax telling him, "You think you know that all this happened because you used too used too much power, when the reality is you didn't use enough." So it's all these different things that Hal wrestles with. So I like the I like the fact that everything he's saying to Carol to appear you know to appeal to her to move on with her life, and that she can you know that basically that that's all stuff that Hal's wrestling with himself, even if he's not necessarily. A, we're aware of it, even if he's not consciously aware that basically he should be listening to his own advice as, just as much as you know giving it out mm-hmm. here. So I like that. I it's also a, it's also a little ironic, even though of course it's under a different writer when this does happen. But it's also kind of I- ironic about you know Kyle looking for Hal to be you know his mentor and and kind of wanting Hal to be around to help him. And, and Hal kind of says, well, not no, I can't do that. That you know what what you are is not that's not who I am anymore. I don't do that anymore. But of course, we know during you know the Winnick era that more or less Hal does take on that role, and he does appear to Kyle quite often. And, and, and even as Kyle himself references it as an Obi Wan like role, or in a position in Kyle's life to kind of like to give him advice, not because he necessarily thinks Kyle's going to do the wrong thing, but just to try to kind of pass on some wisdom to Kyle when when he when he can. So I kind of like that, you know, that 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 little foreshadowing uh, or the irony too in that. But I don't necessarily think it was that uncommon for Kyle to want Hal to kind of be around to to have kind of to have some kind of you know real personal relationship because they that's kind of the odd thing that they've always, they always had from the beginning even though they pretty much were almost always on the same, on the wrong side or the opposite sides is the fact that there was still a connection between the two of them that Kyle kind of respected where how where how was and as we get further further along in some of these stories the more how excuse me the more Kyle gets to see and have seen uh, the the journey of Hal and what he went through and you know, face, facing similar situations, some of what Hal became even long before the entity, of course, factored in, that Kyle could understand a little bit more. Maybe what pushed pushed him, and Kyle, and Hal can understand, Kyle, you know, how you know how Kyle how Kyle felt again as you know being young and fresh, and also, you know, the just the uniqueness of being in, in the position of being the only Green Lantern. That there was a lot of a lot of mutual respect between the two always, even though they were forced to go against each other. So I, I think in a way that, you know, when it it just kind of like reinforces the idea that you know these two could definitely un, 
these two could have always gotten along and could have always been friends if the circumstances kind of allowed it. And we kind of certainly have seen that in the post-rebirth era between the two of them. But I think you always kind of had a little had had that kind of unique connection between the two of them, which I always thought was kind of cool. That always like uh, one of the things I always remember when I think about both of Hal and Kyle during you know the Mars Banks era. I kind of think that's one of the things that I think about how they the, the interaction between the two characters. Yeah, but I mean. By the same token, like, it, there's definitely a, a respect there because Hal came before him. But, I mean, you know, how many of these stories where it was it was Kyle going up against Parallax, you know, trying to stop Hal from, like, you know, taking over the world or trying to get more energy to reboot the universe or whatever. You know, so, like, a lot of the times that they met were battles. Oh, yes, there's no doubt about that. So, like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, he's, here he is, like, you know, acting kind of chummy-chummy, but, you know, like, whereas the last time that they met, I mean, I guess the last time was uh, when Hal went to go reignite the sun. So, I mean, like, yeah, he's got that going for him, but I, I don't know. Like, I feel like he probably should have been a little more guarded, but I mean, I guess you could also chalk that up to, you know, Hal being the Spectre, and you know, he might be looking at it with a different set of eyes. That's true. And who knows, maybe, as we saw in the Justice League issue, maybe deep down inside of Kyle, maybe in the recesses of his of his soul, there's a part of Kyle that wants to, beyond just the that he kind of respects Hal, and there's a part of him that kind of genuinely likes Hal, moving, you know, moving past, the, you know, the facade and digging beyond, and moving beyond, you know, the, what he became, and, and everything is parallax, and there's that part of Kyle that wants to mine Hal's knowledge base, or get as much wisdom and knowledge from Hal, because there is that, maybe, again, going back to the Justice League issue, maybe because there is that fear inside of Kyle that this could happen to him, too, down the road. And the more he learns from Hal, the more Kyle learns from Hal, and the more he can benefit from Hal's experiences and knowledge and advice, especially in this more powerful role, too, as the Spectre, that maybe it further decreases the odds that, you know, the Hal, that Kyle could ever follow in Hal's footsteps on that on that level. Right. Maybe, just saying. You know, because some of the, we see, again, we see some of that when we, when we delve into the Ion story, when we do that soon, all of us, that, uh, I think that, uh, that's another aspect of, you know, the relationship between Kyle is about to be Ion and even after he becomes Ion, but the whole idea of Hal and, and Kyle and their personal relationship then is Hal kind of just, I think he even mentions to him that it's like, I'm not telling you things, these things because I think you're going to do anything, you're going to misuse the power. I, I just wish somebody would have basically taken the time to give me the options and show me these things if, when I was in your position. So it's like... But it was a good issue. It was. It was definitely a good issue. And the art. Story. And the art is really good. Uh, especially the the Star Sapphire page. Yeah, that was good. That was really good. And, I'll, <laughs> and, and, and I, <laughs> even though now I see that costume, I think of Fatality more than anything. Yeah, that's true. But it's yeah, that's definitely a good costume. <laughs> and I like the big the big double like the. Big double splash page with you know, when, yeah. when he's holding Kyle in his hands. 
which is yeah. which is just a cool scene to begin with. But heaven forbid, it's actually a comic book that the cover actually represents something that's in the issue. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just it's just an overall. Re- you know what's his was really good about this issue, like you get. Um, you know, Kyle going on a, like a mini, you know, excursion with the Spectre and, you know, and finding out about him. And, you know, he talks to Hal, you know, in Hal form for a little bit and you don't get bogged down too much with the whole, you know, you know, it's not like they're taking like, you know, half a page to explain how, you know, oh, well, you know, you won't be able to see me, but I'm really going to try and hold on while we get an angel to come in here and burst me with some kind of magic so that way you can see me for, like, five minutes. It's like, it's just Hal shows up and, you know, Kyle remembers him. And it's like, yep, I'm basically doing this with my willpower. That's it. Move along, you know, on to the next thing. Uh, and, you know, and, like, e- even the uh, the interactions with Radu, like, this is the stuff that made Kyle seem, like, a lot more developed as a character than so many other people out there. And, like, this is... Th- issues like this, where not even talking about the stuff with Hal Jordan or the Spectre, are what, you know, made Kyle the kind of character that, that is still around today. Oh, I agree. I mean, you get... A, you get Even though, again, we're, not, we're just... We, Obviously, we picked this issue because it relates to Hal's journey as the Spectre more than you know Kyle in particular. But still, just flipping th- like Jim said, just flipping through this issue and rereading it again, you pick up on all these, all these, all these aspects of Kyle's personal life. But even beyond Kyle, like dealing with with Jenny and dealing with Radu, you get in this one issue alone. You get look, look at all. You find out more about Radu in this one issue than I think you found out about him in the previous like sixty or whatever. <laughs> About his that he was married and that that you know he's but he's dating Kyle's agent now and all these different things. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. No, this is definitely a good one. So 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 one nineteen's the winner for you, eh? Oh, absolutely. I I love that mug too. <laughs> yes. The Radu mug. That was the one Kyle designed, right? Didn't he design that logo for them? I think so. Yeah. I think that. It actually exists in the real world. That mug. I've have seen a picture of that design on a mug. <clears throat> but it was a good story, and it was a and and, and they were, and he, I think I think they both were good in the sense that, as far as paving the way for what we were going to be seeing, I and mean, obviously we know from from the the uh, Legends 4-issue arc, the Destroyer Worlds arc, that a lot of these points that we that are touched upon, some subtly, some not so subtly in these two issues, are just, you know, we delve, we jump into them head-on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, this particular issue, uh, Green Lantern 119, like, that's one where, even if you had no intention of reading the Spectre series... You know, like, it still worked really well within the confines of the Green Lantern book. Yes, so, I agree. You know, whereas the other one, the other, the, the JLA, was seemed a lot more, like, just set up for what was to come, as opposed to, you know, like, let's tell a great JLA story. It's like, not so much. <laughs> uh, well, yes, I think DeMatteis was definitely, uh, he was definitely, uh, you know, getting the... Getting the ball rolling, you know, doing 
in the JLA issue because he knew, even though they, they mentioned that you know Green Lantern 19 was actually going to be his next appearance, it was the fact that you know they were opening the door for the. He he was kind of making it clear where he was going to go with you know with with the with the legends of the DC arc that was coming up and which was essentially the, for lack of a better way of describing it, it was essentially the pilot for his for his series, even though they already knew he was getting a series, but it was, that was the primer, if you will, for the, of what was about to come with, when Spectre number one hit, so, but yeah, so there's a good, there's, there's pros and cons, I guess, in, I mean, when you look at both these issues combined, but I, I still think more of the, pro, there's more pros than cons. Yeah, not very many cons in the Green Lantern, Green Lantern 119. That's true. That's true, so, and the art, I and mean, obviously the art sense of his Daryl was pretty was completely consistent as, absolutely. as opposed I, to the Justice League issue, which was again like we said, depending on the characters, some looked really well, were drawn really well, and looked pretty good, and others were like, and Hal didn't even look like Hal at the end; he looked like, uh, you know, like Rick Astley or somebody. <laughs> he changed a few times. He yeah, changed but, almost as much as people view him to change. That's right. It's like it's different when he wasn't supposed to, when people weren't supposed to see him as Hal. But when we were supposed to see him as Hal, it's like how, how come he looks like the elongated man now? <laughs> it's like come on. I don't the know. only yeah, the only thing on the art for uh, the Green Lantern issue was uh, this was Cam Smith's first issue to ink. Yes. Um, and there are a couple of parts where it looks like the, like the ink went a little heavy, you know, like with Jade, like her, you know, the outlines of her face are a little, a little thicker than, you know, most of the other characters. But overall, as we can, as we can honestly say, if, if you get through an issue, especially in a, a relatively important issue in, you know, in a character's development or where they're pushing a character towards that if that's if that's the worst we can throw at these guys is the, <laughs> that's pretty that's still pretty good as criticism <laughs> oh yeah yeah no absolutely like yeah like that's that's the thing like that's one tiny little thing but overall the art was still like great and i mean you know oh it's just so nice to look at such a such a such a, a difference between you know from one issue to the you know to the next both with the specter yeah. oh yeah yeah and and you can't necessarily say that he doesn't that's one of the interesting things so far when you look at even going from the all the issues we've done so far is that in a way you know with, with different artists the specter has kind of looked very different in, in almost not in every issue but up to this point many issues and he's up to this point more times than not, he still looked pretty interesting and cool. <laughs> you know, he's had he obviously the there was a whole different vibe from the Legends arc. I mean, that was just really that whole style. And we and we know we, we had we had some things about that art we weren't always thrilled with either. But the Spectre, for the most part, was drawn pretty powerfully and well on those. And uh, there were moments certainly we you know again we knew in the 119 issue that wasn't going to be an issue because it was. Daryl drawing uh, drawing Hal again, even though it was a different Hal, but still. But there were close some. Enough. Yeah, yeah, close enough. And we also know that, yeah, just from the JLA issue, Hal was one of the most Spectre. Hal as the Spectre was one of the most consistently drawn characters in that book. So it's kind of cool when you have different artists that can draw, they can have different interpretations of the character, and they all kind of look, at least to this point, look kind of viable, you know, as opposed to like. Eh, as opposed to like 
I wish we could say the same, like, with the art in the current books, you know, from one to another, that some, we know that there's just some art that just doesn't, just doesn't pop like that. Okie doke. I so, think, uh, I think we should probably wrap up, because otherwise <laughs> I'm just going to pass out. Oh, yeah, that. Okay, so before, right as I'm about to get into the opening, it's like the one thing I was going to mention, because who knows when, uh, who knows when Chad and I will record, <laughs> that, uh, what, what were your quick thoughts on the latest Green Lantern movie rumor that it's going to be both, that it's going to be t- two, we're going to get two Green Lanterns and they might even announce it at Comic-Con? Oh, yeah, well, I, I definitely heard that they're, you know, that the, the rumor is that they're going to announce the Green Lantern, you know, nominee, not nominee, but um, cast choice at San Diego. And that makes a lot of sense because, like, you know, they, they're going to want to do a lot, basically, to uh, claim San Diego Comic-Con this, for this year. Because I, I know, like, the, what you call it? Marvel decided, like, you know, we're not even going to show. And, I mean, it makes sense because they don't need to, considering that they have, like, D23 and... Uh, I mean, like, basically, they could just announce it on a Wednesday and make a giant press conference out of it, and everybody in the world would know it, like, the next day. This this is true. Plus, in all honesty, other than some stuff, some whatever they would have finalized of anything from Winter Soldier, I mean from uh, Civil War, they don't have really much to show right now or to push. Yeah, yeah, and it it doesn't even make sense to like promote Ant Man because it's going to be out like a week later or two. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, like it, that totally makes sense. So yeah, so like DC is definitely like you know they're poised to be able to jump in there and really, you know, show off a lot. So, like, I, we're definitely getting the trailer for Superman, Batman, and uh, it would make a lot of sense for them to announce the Green Lantern. Um, if we're getting both, I think that's great. Um, you know, that makes everybody happy, and it, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense because it's Green Lanterns. You can do that. You know, you can have more than one, so... Why not? And it's just interesting because in Canton, most people probably know. Well, it's hard to know because as I posted in Twitter, it's just this just going you know, with our Game of Thrones reference. It's like the wheel just you know the wheel just keeps spinning on and on, and it's time to break the wheels. Like we can sick every other like seeming like every couple of weeks there's a different Green Lantern rumor or a rumor related to somebody who was supposed to be Green Lantern. And last last time I think we talked about this, I think it was. Chad and I, we talked about how the how Chris Pine was supposedly in negotiations to be Steve Trevor, which really never made a lot of sense unless he he actually chose or didn't want to be in a starring role in a franchise. You know he, that he figured he had too many things potentially on his plate that were, might tie him down to begin with that he didn't want another one. So now, of course, the rumor is that that was just like. Like, you know what we told you about Wonder Woman? Well, screw that. We're lying to you. <laughs> that basically it was like a smoke screen to just try to cover up the fact that DC was trying to nail him down to be Hal Jordan. And then whoever ends up being green. Uh, and the other rumor is that Jon Stewart's also going to be be cast. I don't really know. I don't know if I really would like it to be Tyrese Gibson. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't think he could. I don't know if he could if he could pull that off, really. But well, that... you know what it is? Like, you think of Tyrese and you think of not that serious as far as Jon Stewart goes. 
You know, like for, yeah, for John Stewart, like I would want somebody you know more more serious, more. Um, I don't know, like somebody where like you think of him and you think of somebody that's I guess a bit more mature. Yes. Uh, Tyrese is like he's he's not bad. It's just that he seems a lot younger and a lot more like carefree and happy. More like how, how like like Tyrese would make a great black Hal Jordan. Yeah, I guess that's a, probably a good way to describe it. Yeah, so I'm not, I not. I feel like you know uh, what you call it, the all-state guy would make a much better uh, John Stewart. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, people talked about Idris Elba, but even though he seems to not have issues just being in the Marvel franchise, let alone being <laughs> branching out to do any more superhero stuff. But yeah, and, and to me, Tyrese also seems like he would be more like if, if this was. Kind of like the the original John Stewart, then maybe he would be more a better match for that, as opposed to the more yeah the more yeah. modern version, the base you know kind of like the you know the two thousands version of John Stewart, going back to even to the Justice League show and even and how he'd been portrayed in the comics yeah through even through from Kyle's run on too, which is he doesn't he just so it seems like if it was a different era John Stewart, I could see it more now maybe he could surprise us, maybe he could pull it assuming assuming. He get you know that he gets that role, which he may very well not. But just in case, if that if he really knows it's a done deal and he's just playing games as opposed to just playing games, <laughs> that uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. But the idea, I'd be more than if they were both both Hal and and John, I'd be I would be pretty happy with that. I obviously would be very happy with Chris Pine being Hal Jordan because I think he would be perfect. You would pretty much be the based on the only based on actors that we know that are out there now that you could possibly get. I don't know who else would probably be better because you know we know Chris Evans can't play him because he's kind of busy. <laughs> so, so yeah. Van, get Van Wilder again. <laughs> but yeah, the thing uh, that the thing I like about Chris Pine is the fact that even without having like four names, it's like oh yeah, you, you have to pick. These are like the four finalists. Who, who do you want out of these four? Just Chris Pine, just the name alone says, yeah. That's, I don't really, like, I don't need to necessarily see other people. There's no one else that pops into my head that's, that really is better. Or I can, like, I really could see better than Chris Pine. Like, Ryan Reynolds, he was, he was like the best of the final group that they had, I thought. But, you know, now, of course, we see what Bradley Cooper has kind of become, and maybe Bradley Cooper would have been able to do that better. Maybe I was wrong. I didn't – I like – and I like Bradley Cooper more now than I did then. So maybe he could have done could have done a better job with Hal than I thought. But but I was happy with Ryan Reynolds too. But based, that was, again, based on how, who, who was left in the final, you know, which horse you had to bet on based on the ones you knew were still in the running. <laughs> yeah, I like Chris Pine, but – I feel like he's so like high visibility now that it's just like, are we going to see Hal Jordan or are we just going to see more Chris Pine? And, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's like, it's like, Oh, they got captain Kirk to play green lantern. Like that's what people are going to say, you know? And for that perspective, I'm, I don't necessarily know if I agree with, you know, how good that casting is. It's like, because you want, like, somebody that can, like, at least make the character shine a little bit, pun intended. Right. Um, so, I mean, like, you, I would say go for somebody maybe a little less 
known than Chris Pine. And Chris Pine's like one of like the top stars, you know, like the top most visible male stars going right now. You know, especially that's not in a Marvel movie. Yeah. So. It's a, it is know. a it is a fine line because again that's the criticism always with Ryan Reynolds is that in almost every movie he basically plays Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> other than his dramatic when he when he plays an out and out dramatic role yes he he there's there's a difference, but when he you know when there's, if there's any kind of role that requires humor then pretty much people say have always said anyway he kind of like, it's like it's more like Ryan Reynolds being in this movie than you know the Hal Jordan you know he's like Ryan Reynolds is playing Ryan Reynolds. So I think that was part of, and and based on what you said, even though I don't necessarily think it's as prevalent with Chris Pine having that kind of like he him always playing the same role entirely that I could that could that could be a that could be a potential negative if you if people view if you considering what they had with Ryan and the criticism fair or unfair that Ryan got as far as again like I said more or less doing his same shtick over again give or take that. If, if someone were to perceive Chris Pine as, as a similar kind of, you know, actor, then that could be a problem. But I, I, I have, I would, I think I would have more faith at this stage of the game with comparable, trying as much as you can go back in time and remember how you felt. I probably would feel more strongly about about Chris Pine getting the role now than they did when Ryan first got it. But we will see. Uh, at this point, I just want Hal in it, so. I'll, I'll I'll settle for somebody a little less known as long as it's still Hal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, like somebody from like I don't know one of like the women shows on like Eleven or uh, you know um, the CW or even like like an MTV sh- you know show ge- uh, geared towards like teens or whatever. Like somebody who's like fair, like just about to break out. You know, as long as they can act. You know, go for somebody that's, you know, has some experience, but is still not as well known just yet. That yeah. would be my, you know, ideal casting, I guess. That definitely. So yeah, like I mean, like I had no idea who Gal Gadot was before they cast her as Wonder Woman. Yeah, she's she's much more much less, you know, high, high profile. There's no doubt about that. She's uh. Especially coming out of coming out of Fast and Furious, she's not. She's she was she was hardly one of the you know the stars, if you will. You know, she definitely was in the B the B tier even amongst you know people in in that franchise. So that would make that would make sense. Uh, yeah, it'll 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 be interesting to see how many how much percentage wise of these rumors actually turn out to be true if we actually find out. You know, if they actually do cast one or both Green Lanterns, if they really do reveal them in a in a couple of weeks, you know, Comic Con. Um, but hopefully, it'll be nice to get some news, especially since Lord knows the Green Lantern solo movie is so far away. Assuming it actually comes to fruition, that give us something, you know. <laughs> yes, if it gets if it, if it gets made. Yeah, and a lot of it, and we know a lot of it's going to depend on uh, not just Batman, Superman, but but how the Justice League does. And the other movies leading up to the Justice League too, because there's a lot. There's still a lot that can sink the DC movie universe. Uh, if Batman and Superman obviously is a big hit, then probably Suicide Squad wouldn't really couldn't really derail the Justice League so much as it just makes it look like well, okay, they basically still have two characters that people care about. <laughs> yeah. But. 
Okay. All yeah, right. We I know. Have to wrap it up. Wrap up. Um, I will do. I will do the quick, uh, the usual wrap up, and then I'll turn it over to you, so you can do your Fuck. usual closing for in our joint cat and our this joint podcast. Oh God. Um. That means I gotta listen. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, first thing I'll mention is the, you know, we are celebrating Green Lantern's 75th anniversary, so I'll, well, I won't go into a great, you know, huge amount of details, you know, you can use hashtag GL75th, you can look in, you use that hashtag, you know, GL75th, and you can find out what a lot of the other podcasts are doing as far as their tie-ins for the anniversary, since there are, since there's a lot less of a s- strict or a structure to uh, this crossover, if you will. It's kind of whatever anyone wants to do related to Green Lantern just to celebrate the 75th anniversary. So we still have more stuff coming that will be kind of cool for you guys on LanternCast proper too. So so besides that, of course, you can visit our website, LanternCast.com. Besides uh, checking out our newest episodes, we have our, you know, Ring Cyclopedia episodes that we've been putting out at least fairly Regularly, Jim and I pumped out two, you know, in the last month, so that's that's pretty good. Getting that back on track. You can follow us on Twitter, um, and Facebook, Instagram. You, you use hashtag GLcast to pretty much locate us on any of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you like us on either or both, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, which we haven't gotten one in a long time. Hint, hint. Uh, call us at 708-LANTERN, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. Oh, yeah. Take it away, Jim. Um, I, what do I have to say? You got, you covered everything. Well, sliders, baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, if, uh, if you want to listen to more of me, um, and I, I think I'm a little more excited when I talk about sliders. <laughs> Not, not like the old, not like the old days though, when this, when this, this podcast used to pump you up and you were pump yeah. you up. Yeah, yeah. Back when I was, I had just a little more awake all the time <laughs> than I am now. Um, yeah. So uh, me and uh, Dan Kurtzky, who also used to co-host the podcast, we uh, now co-host the Sliders podcast where we discuss uh, Sliders episodes, and uh, we're working our way through. Uh, you know, all five seasons. We're, we're just about almost done with uh, season two. Then we'll take a break. Um, and by break, I mean we're going to cover stuff other than the episodes for a little while. You know, like cover some of the comics and uh, just general sliders talk, have some guests on, that, that kind of thing. But uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Um, something that I had wanted to do for a, a long time, and uh, we're doing it. And it's, it's working out really well for us. So you can check us out at uh, SlidersCast.com or just look for SlidersCast on iTunes. It's pretty easy to find us. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Listen, people. Listen to his podcast. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, so we don't know when we'll be back. We'll probably be back uh, sometime before the end of the summer, certainly. And when we do come back... Jim and I will delve into the Spectre series. We will begin our trip into Hal's journey as the Spectre in his limited, it is all too short series, but still, he got at least he got a couple of years out of it. So, and there was some really good stuff certainly in the beginning. So yeah, that 
that that series did last a decent amount of time. Yeah, I and I. And I and I suspect they probably De Mateo's kind of had a was given a lot of leeway to begin with. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't know going in that he probably had at least a couple of years to play with. So um, especially since the ending kind of did seem relatively forced, or you know he had he had a chance to wrap it up. There's a final issue, but I think you know I don't know how much time that he really knew before the you know before the cancellation. So maybe. But we'll delve into that long. We have plenty of time to delve into the to the end of the series because we haven't gotten into the beginning yet. But we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back with issue four. No point. No point five in this one. Issue four, episode four soon. And until then, good night, everybody. So long. Mm-hmm.